Bonnie Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power Podcast, we're examining the different facets of the China-Nepal bilateral relationship. In October 2019, Xi Jinping visited Nepal after a trip to India, marking the first time a Chinese president visited Kathmandu since Jiang Zemin's visit in 1996, 23 years before. During Xi Jinping's visit, the two countries signed multiple agreements, many of which pledged collaboration on various transportation and infrastructure projects related to China's Belt and Road Initiative. So what are Beijing's motives in stepping up engagement with Nepal? Some see China's interest as little more than an attempt to gain a strategic advantage over regional neighbors like India. Beijing may seek to use economic and other levers to increase Nepal's already heavy reliance on Chinese investment as a means to expand political influence. With a population of just 28 million, roughly the same amount as Shanghai alone, Nepal's significance as a factor in regional politics seems poised to grow as strategic competition mounts between India, China, and other regional giants and smaller countries. To discuss China's engagement with Nepal and the trajectory of the bilateral relationship, I'm joined by Mr. Garab Tapa. Mr. Tapa is the president and managing director of the Nepal Forum of International Relations Studies, also called Nepal First, and a member of the Nepal Council of World Affairs. He is also a regular opinion writer for the Asia Times. So, Mr. Tapa, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm honored to be a part of this podcast. Well, I look forward to our discussion so that you can educate our listeners. Let's start by talking about China's interests in Nepal. How has China historically viewed Nepal in its strategic significance, and how has it benefited from this relationship? I would view uh, China's uh, relations with, uh, with Nepal from the perspectives of political, economic, and security or strategic domains. China's political and diplomatic relations with Nepal, uh, although it's been there since ancient times, but officially the diplomatic relations were established in 1955. And Nepal's economic relations with China has grown over the years. And with Nepal being a signatory to the BRI, the economic relations are expected to rise in the days to come. But the major interest of China in Nepal is perhaps related to the security or the strategic aspect. And as you are aware, Tibet borders Nepal. So China's main concern is with the Tibetan activists or refugees that reside in Nepal, and they might do some anti-China activities. So they are mainly concerned with that. So Nepal has always stuck with the one China policy with regards to Nepal's foreign policy with China. One China policy has been one of the major parameters that, that have defined the relations between these two countries. And the geopolitical significance of Nepal, as it is situated between two big powers, India and China. So that also makes China very much interested in the domestic politics of Nepal. So in that sense, the Chinese interest as if we observe the event since 2006, after the political changes that took place in Nepal, and after in 2008, after the abolition of monarchy, China's influence has grown significantly after this period. 
So China has topped the list of countries investing in Nepal for the past four years. And in the first quarter of the current fiscal year alone, apparently over 90% of foreign direct investment commitments uh, to Nepal came from China. So what does this economic dependence mean for the bilateral relationship? What is going to be the impact on Nepal? Is this something that you are concerned about? If we see the Chinese investments in Nepal, the foreign direct investment, we can see the trend that has significantly risen after 2015 and 16. So one can say that Chinese investments or the FDI has risen significantly after the earthquake that struck Nepal in 2015. And if we segregate the sectors in terms of FDI, the hydropower and infrastructure sectors are the major ones in which China has invested in Nepal. And as Nepal is also part of the BRI, and under the BRI, nine projects have been earmarked for implementation. However, no concrete progress has taken place so far. The major hindrance or the hindering factor for the economic activity between China and Nepal is related to the connectivity. Under the BRI, one of the major projects, I can say that the major project is the railway connectivity that has been planned to connect Nepal with Tibet. Although the progress has not been made so far, if that can happen, then it will significantly change the whole dynamics. And Nepal has also entered into a transport agreement with China. And although 65% of Nepal's total trade is with India at the moment, so if the connectivity is enhanced, then yes, China can also become a major, although it may not come close to India due to the geographical ease with which we can have trade with India, but still a significant amount of trade can take place with China in the future, I think. And in terms of FDI, in the coming days, it can surely be said that China is going to increase the FDI far more than the current amount which is being invested in Nepal. Nepal's government has been led by Prime Minister K.P. Sharma Oli of the Nepal Communist Party in the last couple of years. Can you describe his approach to foreign policy, policy specifically toward China, and how this is different from prior governments? Nepal's foreign policy is basically guided by the principles of Panchashil or five principles of peaceful coexistence and non-alignment. These are the major highlights of Nepal's foreign policy. And with regards to China, Nepal's foreign policy has always regarded one China policy as the foundation of the bilateral relationship. And Nepal established diplomatic relations with China in 1955. And at that time, even while China was not the member of the United Nations, Nepal had lobbied hard for its entry to the UN. And as such, Nepal-China relations have seen no major differences. In, during the Cold War era, Nepal often used China to balance India, as Indian influence was and is prevalent in Nepali politics throughout history. And in uh, 1988, the decision to buy arms from India ultimately led to the fall of the regime here in the panchayat or the partyless regime in Nepal. And in 2005, King Gyanendra's proposal to make China an observer in SARC, the South Asian Association for Regional Cooperation, ultimately strained relations with India, and that ultimately led to the abolition of monarchy also. With China, every Nepalese government in every regime has tried to maintain good relations with the Chinese Communist Party or the Chinese government itself. And as you are aware that the current Nepalese government is formed through the Nepal Communist Party and led by Prime Minister K.P. Sharma Oli. And of course, both the communist parties will have ideological affinities. But still, 
with each government in Nepal, whether that has been headed by the Nepal Communist Party or the Nepali Congress or even the coalition governments or the past regimes like the partyless regimes or even during the time of the past king, King Mahendra's autocratic regime. So all the governments have fundamentally followed the policy of one China policy and almost all the governments have had excellent relations with China in that regard. So basically the position of the Nepalese government has been consistent and with this government also the consistency is there. And as far as the divergence of this government is concerned, the major difference or the major divergence can be seen is that Xi Jinping thought, the guising principle of the Communist Party of China. Just before President Xi Jinping visited Kathmandu in October 2019, a team of Chinese Communist Party had come to Nepal to preach or conduct a program on Xi Jinping thought. So that created a huge stir in Nepal as this was the first time that a political ideology was a program having a political ideology same the Xi Jinping thought was carried out by the government itself or the ruling party. So that was a major divergence from the previous governments where no such programs or no such functions regarding the ideology part had been carried out. And in terms of the political and economic relations, I think Nepal's successive governments have been consistent in their position to maintain good relations with China. So let's talk a little bit more about Xi Jinping's visit last year. How was the visit received? Did it have any significant impact on the relationship? And what do you think its significance is not only for Nepal, but also for the broader region? I would say that the most fundamental highlight of the visit, if you go by the text, if you see the joint statement that was issued at the end of the visit, it has been mentioned that the, both the countries would elevate the bilateral relationship to strategic partnership of cooperation for development and prosperity. So the word strategic itself has been introduced in this dynamics, so which is significant in many regards. Although the detailed description or detailed definition of the term was not mentioned, but still the very fact that the term was introduced in the joint statement can be termed as major departure from earlier period. And another significant highlight of his visit was when he mentioned during a speech that China would help Nepal become a land-linked country from the current landlocked one. So that was also a very significant uh, statement. And considering the BRI projects that have intended to focus on connectivity, so for Nepal, that was also a huge highlight. And another major highlight was that uh, both the sides agreed to intensify the implementation of the BRI project. So that was also a major highlight because projects under the BRI, they haven't progressed beyond identification of the projects in their infancy. So that was also a major highlight of the visit. And one of the significant aspects of the visit was both the sides agreed to remeasure the height of the Mount Everest. And that has been going on in recent days. So both the sides are working on that. So in terms of impacts, the visit, I think, necessitated the United States to intensify its lobby to implement the MCC or the Millennium Challenge Corporation Agreements that has sort of stalled at the moment. So the U.S. was also pushed to intensify its efforts. And as with regards to India, there was wide speculation in Indian media that now after the visit, Chinese influence will increase to historic proportions. But as such, those things were, I think, exaggerated a bit. But the very fact that the Chinese president visited Nepal after a period of 23 years was itself a big thing that happened in the bilateral relationship, I guess. 
So you've, you've talked a little bit about the possible BRI projects in Nepal. And, you know, as we know, these projects by China have had varying impacts around the world. And in some countries, they're going well. Other countries, they are not. There have been problems with debt burdens being increased on on various countries and corruption involved in some of the projects. So are you confident that Nepal is going to be able to carry out these projects in a way that will benefit your country and avoid some of the pitfalls that other countries have experienced? Initially, 35 projects were identified for the BRA, but later both the side felt that the target was very ambitious. So it was reduced to six projects. So currently under the BRI, Nepal and China have agreed to undertake six projects, uh, mainly in the sectors of infrastructure and hydropower. But the fact is that no real progress has taken place so far. And the financial modality or the technical modality of investment has also not been done. And I think a lot of homework needs to be done and a lot of understanding from both the sides needs to be done. Both the sides need to be on the same page because a lot of parties or members of the various sectors in Nepal have understood BRI in a different way. Some have interpreted it as that BRI should be undertaken under the model of grants, but I don't think BRI works in that model. So a lot of issues need to be dealt with before even the BRI projects get underway. So in my opinion, although both the countries have agreed to implement the projects under the BRI, a lot of homework and modalities needs to be finalized to move the projects forward. Tell us something about the variation of views within Nepal toward China. I don't know whether you had any public opinion polls. We've recently had a number in the United States that really show trending in a negative direction of public opinion toward China. You know, do views differ across the government, the elite, the general public, the business uh, communities? And uh, to the extent that there are concerns, what are they? As far as the political domain is concerned, Nepal and China have had very few differences, I would say. And although the boundary disputes have mostly been solved, minor boundary issues in one or two districts remain. But that is not of much debate these days, although on paper it still exists. And so far, China has been able to project an image of non-interfering neighbor in Nepal as compared to India. But some of the recent incidents and events have shown that uh, enter into a deeper relationship or into a more broad-scaled relationship, differences also start appearing. Like uh, there was a huge controversy recently in February 2020 when one of the newspapers, the Kathmandu Post, published, republished actually, an article regarding China's COVID bond secrecy and which portrayed Mao Zedong as wearing a mask. And the Chinese embassy in Nepal uh, reacted in an unprecedented way and it publicly threatened the publication and even the editor. So that was totally unseen in Nepal before. So even the Chinese ambassador herself was very much involved in that. And recently and few months ago, more than 100 Chinese nationals were involved in cybercrime and due to some pressure they were deported without proper legal procedures also. So those things have slowly started coming up which we had not seen in the past. And uh, China has been pressing Nepal for signing an extradition treaty, but Nepal has sort of deflected so far. 
Even during presidency's visit, it was highly anticipated that the treaty would be signed, but Nepal somehow didn't agree to do so. So as the relationship has evolved and with more engagements in the offing, I think it also produces a scope for differences to pop up in the relationship, I guess. So, of course, the recent COVID-19 pandemic, I think, is affecting many relationships around the world and certainly China's ability to carry out BRI projects. Do you expect that this coronavirus is going to have much of an impact on China's relationship with Nepal? China has uh, responded with nearly seven or eight batches of medical supplies to Nepal so far. And China is very much expert in projecting a software image in Nepal, not only in during this COVID crisis, but earlier in the earthquake crisis also. So China's image, it was able to build a very good image by providing this aid uh, diplomacy during the disaster management or a pandemic like this. So even uh, during this COVID crisis, President Xi Jinping called Nepal's president Bidadevi Bandari. And both the presidents at that time also, apart from discussing COVID issues, they underscored the need to enhance the ties further. So as such, by means of relief or rescue operations also, or by means of other soft power measures, China has slowly enhances image in Nepal. So obviously we were seeing um, geopolitical competition intensify, um, first and foremost between the United States and China, but I think also among other countries as well. What does that mean for Nepal's uh, effort in the future to maintain its posture of non-alignment? Does Nepal feel that it is going to have to perhaps choose between different countries to take sides? Are you concerned about the potential for sort of a new Cold War in which the world is divided up into some blocks? Or do you think that Nepal is going to be able to preserve a position of non-alignment in the future? Historically, if you see, Nepal has always followed the policy of non-alignment. So it has played its part very well in that regard. Uh, The geopolitical factors that we are surrounded with dictate that Nepal should uh, maintain this posture and uh, non-alignment, I think, would be the best policy for Nepal uh, as it is situated in a sensitive uh, geopolitical as well as geostrategic location. And not only there is interest of both his neighbors, but there are extra regional and global powers that are also interested in Nepal. So to maintain its image, Nepal, I think, should strictly follow the policy of non-alignment. And historically also, even though Nepal fought with the British, uh, it was able to safeguard its independence. And after that, it has been strictly following the principles of non-alignment and aligning with any power or aligning with any bloc or bandwagoning with any power or trying to balance out one power at the behest of the other would be detrimental to Nepal's survival. So I think non-alignment policy would be the best for Nepal. Finally, I'd really like to hear your thoughts about U.S. policy toward Nepal and the broader region and what kind of policies by the United States would be most helpful to Nepal uh, that would strengthen your country and its ability to protect its interests going forward? The United States has been one of the most important development partners and uh, friends of Nepal since the establishment of diplomatic ties more than 70 years ago. And uh, both the countries share the fundamentals of democracy and good governance and human rights, and the U.S. has helped Nepal. 
in the development sector as well as the health sectors of education, health, governance, democracy, and human rights. So Nepal considers uh, U.S. as a very important development partner and a friend. And the fact that the U.S. Uh, has identified Nepal also as one of its major partners where it can uh, help Nepal through the Millennium Challenge Cooperation Agreement, MCC, shows that both these countries give priority to the relationship. So in my opinion, it would be in the best interest of Nepal if the MCC can get through. But although it's facing a lot of political blockages at the moment, but we can hope that if it is passed by the parliament, it can play a very vital role in the development of Nepal. We have been talking with Mr. Gaurav Papa, who is the president and managing director of the Nepal Forum of International Relations Studies, or Nepal First. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Bonnie. It was my pleasure and my honor to be on your show. <music> 